welcome to the T. Leroy Jefferson Medical Society Helping the Helpers podcast sponsored by Be Well PBC. Be Well PBC's mission is to bring together stewards from every corner of our community, residents, system leaders, providers, businesses, faith-based organizations, youth and parents to lead the change they want to see in their families, their schools, their workplaces, and their cities. We are honored to be part of that change. I'm your host, Dr. Jossette Smith, owner of Authentic Self Psychotherapeutic Services and a proud member of T. Leroy Jefferson Medical Society. T. Leroy Jefferson Medical Society is a professional organization that focuses on helping underserved populations in our community. T. Leroy provides health education programs, youth mentoring programs, speakers on health issues, as well as health fair medical screenings and mental health and wellness check-ins with school-aged children and adults. We also provide scholarships for deserving students and other healthcare education and youth development services. T. Leroy Jefferson Medical Society is a network of dedicated minority healthcare professionals who actively work together to improve health and wellness, access to quality care, and academic and career opportunities for underserved populations. Today's podcast is called Helping the Helpers, Admitting that you are not okay, compassion fatigue. So compassion fatigue is common among caregivers, professionals in the medical field, legal field, and mental health field. Generally in any area which individuals are exposed to the suffering of other people. It's a term that describes the physical, emotional, and psychological impact that can occur when empathizing with others and trying to help others. Today, I am so happy to be here with two amazing mental health professionals, Dr. Debbie Magnet, a member of T. Leroy Jefferson, and Coach Shakri Bryant. They will both help us understand if compassion fatigue might be developing and ways to reduce compassion fatigue and increase self-care and well-being. Let's get to know our guest. All right, so Dr. Debbie, welcome and thank you for being here with us today. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, like your educational background, some of your professional work, and maybe some things that, that you're passionate about? Well, thank you, Dr. Smith. I am so excited to be here with both of you and to really focus on helping the helpers because I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and that's what we do. We focus on healing and helping. Uh, for me in particular, my focus is on birth equity and infant mental health. So I help clients through their life cycle, focus on inner work, giving themselves that sacred space and time just to stop, be with themselves, to process, uh, to gain identity development, uh, healing of relationships. So I help clients work through depression and anxiety, but also career transition. Um, if they're thinking about uh, becoming a family and having children, I will help with prenatal and postnatal mental health concerns. Um, also, once they become a parent, uh, I can also support with parenting skills uh, for those who are just entering a relationship, premarital counseling, marriage counseling, or even divorce when times get hard or conflict arises. Um, so it's it's my joy to work with families and individuals throughout the life cycle at different points um, of their journey. 
And um, on the other side of Dr. Debbie, I'm also an adjunct professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University. I teach family therapy and theories, as well as marriage counseling and techniques. But my passion and research is truly on cultural humility and soul care. And so I look forward to sharing a little bit more about that space in regards to uh, mindfulness and what our helpers can do if they're experiencing compassion fatigue. Perfect. Well, thank you for all of the work that you're doing with families, children, just within the community. So we are definitely thankful to have you here with us today. So I want to ask you, um, can you speak to us about some of the physical, behavioral, and psychological manifestations that stress has on the body um, and just talking more about compassion fatigue? Yes, that is such an important question, um, especially when we have all um, been in the midst of this viral pandemic where we all were touched by mental health. And I think it's so important to recognize as hard as our helpers were working during that time period and continue to try to carry on, they may feel burnt out. They may feel compassion fatigue. And we know with the research and science that bad stress is simply bad for the body and the brain. Stress impairs working memory and task performance. Um, it can increase the mind wandering where you can't concentrate or you can't focus. And also levels of cortisol alter the impact of mind wandering. And we know the jobs that our helpers do is so important to our overall wellness individually and our family. So we want to make sure they know the signs um, and that they can use this awareness to determine what do they need to do next for their own care and well-being. And so some of the physical signs include aches and pains, um, may even be cramps, so not just for women, but for men as well, um, headaches, digestive issues. Um, they may feel tenderness um, in their body, bloating, uh, a lack of energy, and even changes in their appetite. So before, if they um, had a certain level that they were used to eating, they may begin to um, eat a lot less or even overeat. So it's important to be aware of some of those physical changes. Um, for the psychological, they may have feelings of emptiness, of hopelessness and despair, uh, they may feel irritable, uh, anxious, and even guilty at times for uh, feeling this fatigue of caring, in a sense. Um, they also can have loss of interest in what was previously a very pleasurable activity. Um, they'll notice they have this inability to concentrate or to remember details. And if they continue with compassion fatigue and they don't get the intervention that they need or the support, it may lead to suicidal ideations, thoughts, and, and even attempts. So it's so important to understand psychologically what is going on and with this awareness, how to move forward to take the next step for their health. Um, and lastly, I'll just end in terms of some of the behavioral signs they'll notice, um, feeling out of control at times, uh, lots of mood swings uh, and not normal uh, throughout the day mood swings that may occur based on experiences, but these are mood swings that impede your functioning. 
Um, when you feel uh, completely fearful or um, constantly crying and having uh, moments of tearfulness uh, at times where it is not something related to something that would logically lead to that behavior. Um, people who are experiencing compassion fatigue may also endure panic attacks, uh, feelings of tension. And when these um, different experiences occur, it is so important to check in with yourself. It's okay to pause and take a break and speak up for yourself, advocate for the help that you need. All right, Dr. Debbie, I know that you do a lot of work around mindfulness to address thoughts and being in the moment. Some of the work that I like to do with clients comes from acceptance and commitment therapy and focuses on the relationship that we have with their thoughts, teaching people how to observe their thoughts rather than fighting with them. And from the lens of ACT, it's not what we think that is most troublesome, but how we relate to what we're thinking. So to address this, I use what is termed thought diffusion. Um, and thought diffusion helps us detach from our thoughts and our reactions to them. So here's an example. I ask people to imagine, like one of my favorite examples, I ask people to imagine a tree. It may have many leaves or it may have just a few. That tree is hanging over a stream of water. So I like to have, you know, my clients kind of visualize that. And every time you have a thought, I ask them to place that thought on a leaf, watch it float downwards and land in the water, and then watch it float away. So again, that's just something that I like to do um, in terms of visualizing thoughts and one way to help people be mindful of, of how we can sometimes become fused with their thoughts. So can you tell us a little bit of, uh, more about what kind of mindfulness tips or techniques, exercises that you find helpful and working with your clients? Oh, Dr. Smith, how much time do we have? This is like my favorite part of the conversation to bring about that awareness. So when I talked about uh, the physical, behavioral, and psychological signs, I always ended with when they have that awareness, because sometimes we're always on the go, we're always on the move, um, especially our helpers who um, are needed so much for their expertise, that sometimes that busyness can get in the way of recognizing when they need to take a break. And so John Kabat-Zinn is the founder of mindfulness um, here in America. And the way that he describes it is that it's this awareness that arises. Remember, awareness that arises from paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the moment. And the key is to be non-judgmental. So giving yourself grace, giving yourself compassion. And with this greater engagement in mindfulness practice, it actually leads to that improved and sustained attention that is disrupted um, with compassion fatigue. Over time, there's been several studies that also um, show that it appears to alter the impact of the mind wandering or task performance. Um, so it really validates that Multitasking is no longer in. Science proves that we can only do one thing well at a time, and we should give ourselves and others that space to really focus, um, to be fully present and non-judgmental. And so when we think about what does this look like for relationships, you can see um, improved empathy and attunement to that relationship. And again, for our mind, an improvement in our focus, uh, concentration, and most importantly, our working memory. We want to keep that with us uh, 
lifelong. Uh, I do want to state, though, mindfulness is not a cure-all. It's not for everything or everyone. And it's also not the only thing when we talk about compassion fatigue. But it is a tool that we can add to our toolkit to help us in managing um, our feelings, our emotions, our behaviors, our physical and even psychological state. And so you have to really um, do a self-check-in to see is this something that I think could be helpful? Is this something that I feel um, would be something that I want to commit to and practice? Because it's only with that practice that you're able to see uh, the improvement of mindfulness or meditation. And so there are several different forms of mindfulness. Um, you could do a self-compassion meditation, a loving kindness, uh, there's also self-soothing exercises. Um, you could use mindfulness to address self-criticism or um, build your inner compassionate voice. Uh, some of the things that I recommend when you're starting to build this practice is try to think of it um, across maybe just one month to start. And each week you could try something new and see which one really speaks to you, which one um, you find really shifts uh, your attention or your working memory. Um, and so for that first week, you may want to focus on um, building your attention muscle and you may want to do it for two minutes to 12 minutes. Uh, with mindfulness, you don't have to do a full body scan for an hour. You can really take it slowly. And then as you progress in the practice of incorporating more meditations throughout your week, uh, the second week, you may say, you know what, I want to try a body scan. And so, again, you don't have to do it a whole hour. You could try only 20 minutes and go from your feet all the way up to your head and really think about um, each part of your body, uh, breathing through and bringing kind attention to it. The third week, you may want to try a more um, active meditation practice where you are doing some stretches, you're sitting, you're folding, you're moving, and you're really giving yourself that time to tune into what is your body feeling, how is it speaking to you. And then the fourth week, you may want to um, try a loving kindness uh, meditation, uh, but those are just a few that you um, can research or our helpers, I should say, who are listening, uh, they can do some research on which one works best for them. Due to the pandemic and everything that people were experiencing, whether it was isolation, uh, whether it was the uncertainty of, you know, is my loved one going to pass away because they have COVID? Am I going to pass away if I get COVID? And then the unfortunate um, murder of George Floyd and the racial unrest that happened as a result, uh, this meditation was inspired. And I just think when we are in a space of stress or um, feeling burnt out or compassion fatigue, that we need an opportunity to reset. And I hope that this meditation is an opportunity for those who are listening to take a moment for themselves, to recognize that they can create a space of love and justice. So it begins with, may I be free, may I be healthy, may I be whole, 
may i live a life of justice and peace and now we share this with others may you be free may you be healthy may you be whole may you live a life of justice and peace for our children may our children be free may our children be healthy may our children be whole may our children live a life of justice and peace for our relationships may our relationships be free may our relationships be healthy may our relationships be whole may our relationships embrace justice and peace for our community may our community be free may our community be healthy may our community be whole may our community uplift justice and peace and for our world we end may our world be free may our world be healthy may our world be whole may our world be of justice and peace thank you dr debbie you provide us with many different tools and different ways that that the helping professionals that are listening might be able to start taking care of themselves. Now, what would you say a recommended self-care toolkit would be for someone? Like, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. So we have to create a personal plan for peace. We have to make this time to recognize before we get to that place of burnout, where we can use our time wisely for that kind attention, that compassion for ourselves. And so some of the questions that helpers can ask um, are, you know, what would you like to do differently? What are the challenges that you're experiencing? And what would you like to see as a result of you taking time just for yourself? And what are the benefits? What may be areas that are blinders or that can be toxic, but because you continue to just move about your day pushing through, you miss the opportunity to change it and address it. And ultimately, what would be your steps to accomplish those goals that you're thinking would help you in this area of compassion fatigue? And so... I always say it's important to schedule a regular self-check-in. So many times we are focused on our clients. Um, we make sure we check in with them. We're focused on our family, making sure that they're well. But it's so important for us also to just ask ourselves, how am I doing right now? And also recognizing you have to consider what do you and what do you not have control over? When you can recognize, you know what, this is important to me, or this is something that I've been thinking about, but I don't necessarily have control over, that gives you the freedom to know where do you need to let go and where do you need to create a new plan, especially if there are areas where you don't have control. What could be a different solution that is within your control? Also think when you create your own toolkit, 
you have to determine which stress reduction strategies work best for you. So just like I shared with mindfulness that it's not for everyone, it's not an everything um, go-to, you have to see, okay, if meditation doesn't work for me, what are the other options? And I'm biased as a therapist, I would say, you have to have individual counseling in your toolkit. It's so important for you to have that one-on-one -on -one time with a professional expert to work through what is causing that compassion fatigue. You know the warning signs now. Now we want you to focus on discovering your resiliency. And I hope that our listeners out there can put together their toolkit as a protective factor towards their resiliency. Thank you so much. That was great, great, great information. And we are so happy for you sharing all of this with us today, Dr. Debbie. We appreciate you being here. Now I want for us to meet um, our next guest. We are also very thrilled to have with us Coach Shakri. Can you um, start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your educational background, professional work? What are some of your passions? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I am just elated to be here today and to share this time and space with both of you. Um, again, my name is Shakri Bryan. I am a leadership coach and self-care strategist certified through the John Maxwell Group. And I really focus on teaching high-functioning professionals how to create success without burnout through meditation, mindfulness, and mental agility. I am a local graduate of Palm Beach Atlantic University, I'm the proud mom of five adult children. And um, I really love whitewater rafting, kayaking, anything that pertains to the water, the beach, boating, you will find me there. My corporate background is in insurance, sales, and construction. So um, it's really a pleasure to be able to serve in the self-care and leadership industry. Thank you. So the first question that I have for you um, would be, what are some signs and symptoms that people can look out that might indicate that their tank is just running low? Sure. I think along with uh, Debbie, you know, Dr. Debbie, some things will definitely overlap, um, but fatigue is one thing. Um, we are a society that really celebrates busyness. And I think one of the things that we have to do as a community of helpers or servant leaders is really change the conversation. Um, and so what I really teach people that I work with is to practice asking the right questions in your community, in your tribe, to say, instead of saying, what's on your agenda today? The question should be, when have you taken some time for your yourself? How are you resting this week? What is your plan to care for yourself? Because sometimes as we are so hyper-focused on serving other people, we don't necessarily realize that we're tired. But if we have a strong tribe, if we are cultivating this new culture of checking in, not just with self, but one another, our other helpers, sometimes our friends and colleagues can identify something that we don't even see in ourselves. The next thing that I notice is that oftentimes people feel disconnected, okay, that lack of empathy, things that really used to move you in the past. Emotionally, you tend to separate yourself from it because you no longer have the capacity to really deal with it because you haven't processed 
what you've already been through, right? All of the situations that you have shown up and helped with, you haven't processed through that. So I find that helpers tend to carry things, although again, they may not realize it, they end on end up rather taking on some of the trauma that they're helping other people walk through. The next thing that I see is, um, and this is very, very common, people are feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling like there are so many people out there that need help, that need services. They're committed to showing up and lending their expertise, but they don't see an end in mind. And I think we have all been there as service professionals, where it just seems like the the need is greater than the resource to really step and fulfill that need. And then the last thing that's really big is that sometimes you get to a place as a helper where you have expended everything that's within you and you have no, um, no longer have interest in things that used to bring you pleasure. So one of the things I find when I'm sitting down and talking to my clients and asking them, what are your hobbies? whether it's dancing or cooking or vacationing. The next question is, and when is the last time you've done that? And you know, you're shaking your head, Dr. Debbie, right? Because you you see, and then that moment of epiphany for them where they realize, and this is key, I've lost myself in the role that I serve in. And this is really something that's happening more and more and more. People are losing their identification in the role that they serve in. And so then the helper does not realize that they themselves are human and they need help themselves. Thank you. That is so profound. And I loved everything you said. I especially enjoyed and liked that you highlighted the importance of social support and having people like within your tribe and within your network that can help you maybe see something that you that you aren't seeing. So all of that is really great information. Thank you for that. The next question that I have for you, Coach Shakri, is in the past I've heard you mention before that words have weight. Can you tell us what that means to you? Absolutely. It is really um, the way that we self-identify. And so every word is connected to a picture, a story, an experience, an image that tells us what that that particular word means. And so even when you say the, the helpers, when we think about that, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is I am created, I am designed, I am committed to helping other people. It, it takes you off the table from receiving help. And what I would really like our listeners to do today is realize that even though you serve in this role, some of that compassion, some of that um, expertise that you give to other people, some of the ways that you show up for the people that you love in your life, it's not just for them. We have to learn how to redirect some of that energy towards ourselves. And so I am a firm believer that, you know, life always teaches us. And I'll never forget, you know, in the car one day, I'm a leadership coach. Um, I serve in ministry. I help a lot of people. And I'm in the car driving down Flagler Boulevard. And I have a moment. And I'm saying to myself, I wish I had a Shakri in my life. I wish I had that person that would just show up for me like I show up for so many other people. 
And in that moment, it dawned on me, I wasn't created just to serve other people. That that same superpower that makes other people feel loved and treasured, that same superpower rather that shows up and leads other people to their own breakthrough, if I can learn how to redirect that to myself, my life would change. And I really, in that moment, ladies, became a great practitioner because as a helper, we can give the best advice. We have the best plan for everyone else. But I think what really differentiates us and really makes us stand out is learning how to to walk the talk, how to become a practitioner of all of these things so that people in our community and in our tribe can see it's not just a practice. It's not just a position of self-love. This is what this individual is demonstrating in their personal and professional lives. Absolutely. Very, very well said. Thank you for that. To follow up on something that Dr. Debbie was talking about, I wanted to know um, from your perspective and in your experiencing, what might you add to Dr. Debbie's self-care toolkit, if anything? Are there any additional self-care tips that you might find helpful that our listeners might find helpful? Sure, absolutely. So Dr. Debbie provided um, such wonderful information. Um, I would say start with the mindset. So number one, put yourself on your list. I believe that um, in creating that self-care strategy, that self-care plan, um, we know what time we have to show up for work. We have every appointment in our calendars. So if you're really committed to your self-love journey, and helping yourself, put yourself on that calendar, okay? The second thing is I am a huge proponent of journaling. And when I teach journaling, it is the recall, reflect, and review process. Every day we should spend sufficient time recalling the interactions, the experiences, the thoughts that we've had throughout the day. We need to take time to reflect on them. Because that's how I learn about myself. That's how clients learn about themselves. And then what I also do is once a week, I review it. Now, this is where the the epiphany happens because sometimes the revelation about what you're feeling, um, how you're processing life, or even being able to identify if you're, you're on that borderline of compassion fatigue, it doesn't happen. The revelation does not occur until you review what you've written. The next thing is, is to create a plan of action. We have a plan for anything. We're all professionals. You think about your schooling, purchasing a house, um, organizing a wedding. What is the first thing that you do? You create a plan. But when it comes to ourselves, we kind of leave it to, if I have time this weekend, if I get around to it, and unless you are clear and committed to really loving yourself, it will not happen. The next thing is to remove the guilt and shame from resting. This is so huge. Giving yourself that permission to be human and to know that it is okay to slow down, to take vacation, to relax your mind. And here's something big, to say no to the people that you're called and committed to helping. And that's going to be a stretch for a lot of people. 
But I think that in doing that, you will begin to build that resilience within yourself to have better balance in life. And I just want to add to the questions that you posed, Dr. Debbie. There are three questions that I ask myself at least once a week. Um, I love uh, Tony Robbins. He says that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions that you ask yourself. And so one of the three questions that I ask myself once a week are, how are you? And I, I get real with myself. I answer that in my journal. The next question I ask myself is, Shakri, I call my name. What do you need? What do you need? Right? And I get real with what I need. Sometimes I need a break. Sometimes I need to take better care of myself. Sometimes I really need to focus and get my work done so that I'm not so overwhelmed. It's really important to be honest with yourself. And then the last question that I often ask is, how can I help you? Now, normally these are questions that we would pose to someone else. But if you go back to that first principle, we need to take some of that intentionality that we give out and turn it back inward. And then I really clearly identify, how can I help myself? I can either um, be resourceful and go out there and find someone to partner with me, whether it be a therapist, um, whether it be a physical trainer, whether it be a friend to go on vacation so I can get some help to relax. But really just being real with yourself and being okay with being human. Helpers are human first, and then we're helpers. Thank you. Thank you. I'm definitely hearing a lot of what you're saying in terms of self-compassion. So helpers and people that are in helping professionals definitely need to practice self-compassion for sure. Thank you for sharing those additional tips with us. The last question that I have for you, and, and I know that you answered it in some, um, some of your earlier questions, but if there's anything else that you'd add to the things that people can do just to refuel themselves, when their tank is, is running low. Is there anything that you find particularly helpful for yourself? Absolutely. And I think what you said, and also Dr. Deb, is very important in terms of discovering what works for you. Because something that is relaxing for someone else may not necessarily register the same for me. So for example, a lot of people um, say that you should just stop and do nothing. For me, that actually stresses me out a little bit. But the word leisure resonates with me. So for me to refuel my tank, I create a day where there is absolutely nothing on my, my calendar, right? Um, I turn my phone off and my life is on do not disturb. And so that day, that time, that moment is for me to do whatever I want to be. And I have this really cool term. Um, you know, I tell my children and my girlfriends sometimes, I said, you know what? I'm going to be regular today. Because again, we talk about help, helpers in this personification that we stand up in, right? And not giving ourselves permission to lower the shoulders, relax a little bit, and just quote unquote, be regular. So for me, that might be, you know, taking a nap, which I rarely do. Um, it might be getting out into nature because that relaxes me. I love the water. Um, eating whole foods is also very important. 
um, eating fresh fruits and vegetables. I find when I take a day out to fast and just put really good stuff in my body, that helps to make me feel good, lowers the stress, and then I come back feeling refueled and refreshed. That sounds wonderful. And I, I think I might steal that from you. I'm going to be regular today. Like, I think I need to adopt that. I think <laughs> I think we can all adopt that. Yes, it's lovely. Well, I definitely thank you both uh, for being with us again today. We have come to the end. Is there anything else that either of you would like to add in closing? Um, so thank you, Dr. Smith, for um hosting us today and giving us this opportunity to support our fellow helpers in the field. I just want to remind everyone who's listening about the African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so T. Leroy Jefferson Medical Society, that's what we're here for. If you're feeling compassion fatigue, if you're feeling burnt out, know that there's a local community of members, of medical professionals. I'm one of them. Dr. Smith is one of them that you can connect with. And we welcome you to come and join the T.D. Roy Jefferson Medical Society family. Thank you. Yes, definitely. And also, you can feel free to visit tljmedicalsociety.org to get more information um, and to connect with us. We would love to speak to you and to get to know you. Everybody take care and, and be well.